Hi, welcome to episode 21 of the Kinexus Ask Us Anything. I am Mark Graven and happy to be joined as always by Dr. Greg Jacobson. Wait, wait, you're not Greg. You're not Greg. No, uh, no, I'm not Greg and I'm not a doctor. Hey, Mark. Great to see you. <laughs> hey, guys, I'm uh, Jeff Roussel. I'm the vice president of sales at Kinexus and I'm going to be taking the place of Dr. Greg Jacobson today. So really looking forward to going through this with everyone. And can you talk a little bit about, why don't you, let's take a minute, introduce yourself, your role at, at Kinexus. You've been with the company for four years now, maybe you can talk Almost five. Almost yeah. five. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, yeah, so, so my official title is Vice President of Sales, although I kind of just see myself as just in a leadership role at Kinexus. I, I like to keep track of really everything that we're doing because I just think all this kind of melds together. Um, I joined Kinexus about five years ago after a career in the software world that had really never been exposed to continuous improvement or Kaizen or Lean. And um, I, I don't know, I just, I met Greg and I met Mark and I just knew that what Kinexus was doing felt right. And, decided that I would bring kind of some background in software to the organization. And it's just been a fun ride ever since. So my job is to make sure that uh, we're creating the right processes and the right behaviors around our sales and our marketing efforts. And to make sure that that is um, done in an honest and a transparent way, both internally and externally to the organization. Well, I'm, I'm glad you've been part of the team, Jeff, as uh, the company has grown. You've been uh, a big part of that. So we're going to dive in. We're going to put you on the spot with uh, continuous improvement questions. Some of them uh, will be right up your alley about sales because we did promote that we were going to have um, Jeff here as a special guest today. So, and I don't know, maybe Greg, maybe Greg's going to lose his spot here. Maybe you're a, a permit. <laughs> Continuous improvement. That'd be the first question. Are you a permanent replacement or not? <laughs> we'll see. Um, so speaking of continuous improvement, though, I mean, you know, as you've talked before, um, you, you came from outside of um, our little inner lean geek circles, if you will. And you've been you've learned a lot about continuous improvement. You talked to a lot of customers about this and you've you've learned a ton in recent years. So on, on that point. What's your favorite book about improvement that you've run across? Um, you know, I, I don't know if I'd consider it specifically about improvement, but the, the book Mindset by Carol Dweck really kind of got me going. Um, it just let me know that you can learn anything, and I really apply that to improvement. And so that, that one really went a long way for me, and I hate to kind of add multiple books, but I read it at around the same time that I read the power of habit. And mm -hmm. I can't tell you how many times, I think Charles Duhigg is the, the author there. And yeah. I just can't tell you how many times that I see how important creating habits are around Kaizen and improvement. You know, you, you got to learn these habits, both yourself and within your organization. Those do really drive me uh, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, Carol Dweck. Oh, and, and, and just to throw in there, I really I'm reading this one called The Measures of Success right now by a gentleman named Mark Raven. <laughs> the cover kind of looks like that. Yeah. <laughs> I'll let you finish yeah. it before you decide if it goes into the favorite. That's right. But so far it's really good. I, I like the um, kind of the tone of it. It's easy to read and it talks about an interesting subject and one that I can talk a little bit more about on a personal level later. Okay. 
we'll uh, make sure we talk about um, Kaizen and in our personal life. Um, but I just wanted to say about you know that book mindset, that idea of fixed mindset versus growth mindset, and I, I, you know I think one other way to think of it is uh, know it all mindset versus learn it all mindset is intelligence, knowledge, ability something that's fixed or is it something that's developed? And, and I think you're spot on, Jeff, that in continuous improvement circles, I think there's that mindset that says we can all develop and grow. Um, you know, I think early on, it's funny when people learn about lean and continuous improvement, they tend to say things like, I learned lean because I took a week-long class and I read a book. And then we get further along in the practice and people start realizing and learning what we don't know. And hopefully they shift into more of that growth mindset, right? Yeah, I love the concept of a yet around that. Like if you haven't done something, you haven't done it yet. Yeah. It doesn't mean you can't do it. And I think it, that holds for really anything. Yeah. So you mentioned a couple of books. I was prepared. I was going to do the same thing. So one that I've written about and talked about a lot is this book, Understanding Variation uh, by Donald Wheeler. That's where I, I learned a lot from this book and, and tried to build upon it in my book. Uh, Dr. Wheeler was kind enough to write the foreword uh, for my book, Measures of Success. This is a, a great thin little read. Um, second book, and as I'm here in the office where I've got a lot of books here. I like this book a lot. I think it's kind of underappreciated. I'll try to get the glare off. Toyota by Toyota, where there are chapters written by a number of um, American Toyota employees. I just think there's a lot of brilliant insights here about the mindset and, and Kaizen and um, continuous improvement. Then third book, and this is also a little easy, quick read. It's this book called The Spirit of Kaizen, uh, written by a psychologist, Robert Moore. Uh, he's an American, is at UCLA. I've gotten to interview him a couple times in, in podcasts. This is one of the few books that the Toyota Visitor Center in Japan, one of the few books by an American that Toyota sells. And so I think that speaks very highly of how he's distilled um, the spirit of Kaizen. And maybe I'll transition that to the question about using Kaizen in your personal life, because Dr. Moore, as a psychologist, talks about applying Kaizen to personal habits. So when I'll use a, an example, of, it's straight from one of his books, like when we're at conferences, like the Kinexus User Conference, or you're going to be at the AME conference coming up, right? In October. There's this Kaizeni tip of they always put out cookies and brownies and all these tempting things. And instead of trying to go cold turkey and saying, well, I'm never going to eat cookies again. Like, is that really <laughs> realistic? So his, his tip was always to, to grab a cookie, tear off a bite, throw it away, eat the rest of the cookie. It's a post-it note, right? And then eventually you get to the point where you can you say, okay, I'm going to have a bite of cookie and throw the rest away. Like I'm, I'm the king of grabbing a knife or the tongs and cutting a cookie in half or something like that. Like I think, I think that's okay. That's one of my Kaizen things that I've done. What, what about you, Jeff? Have you applied Kaizen in, in your personal yeah. life? You know, I, I'm blessed to be a uh, stepfather of three kids and my son, I, I say, I talk about this a lot, but he kind of got into competitive golf as a high schooler and uh, he worked pretty hard at it, which is really exciting. And I've been trying to apply some Kaizen principles to his work. So just this week, we created a whiteboard where uh, there are certain things, certain areas that he wants to improve in. Like, for instance, his short putting, his long putting, his chipping, his full shots. 
And um, we kind of created a plan this week huh. where where he has to pick which days of the week he's going to work on certain things. And really, that's just a, a way to try to fix his practice habit because I didn't we, didn't we both agreed that he wasn't practicing the correct way that we could get more out of his practice. The next step there is actually going to be to try to apply a little bit of data to it to see if that improves his scores and the different parts of his game, you know, so we can correlate that practice to to results. So I'm doing my best to try to apply that as much as possible. I mean, I even do it in how efficiently can I unload the dishwasher and stock the pantry and, and that sort of make a grocery list. But uh, those are those are more my jobs, not his. Yeah. I mean, they, in this part of your brain, it's hard to turn off. Right. I mean, this yeah. once once you view um, opportunities to make your life easier, you know, Kaizen at work is often about small steps that make your work easier. And the idea of baby steps, we're more likely to reach a high goal if we start at baby steps. This is also the Toyota Kata approach of having a challenge in mind and not going from here to there, but doing the more incremental approach. Yeah. Maybe your son will um, see success and you'll be measuring that success, if you will, we're working on looking yeah. at the data, right? Um, I mean, it's funny you mentioned about practicing. One of my favorite authors, I've got books of his on the shelf behind me, W. Edwards Deming, talked about experience and practice. And, you know, you would say things like, well, if, you know, having 30 years of experience isn't that helpful if you've been doing, repeating the same bad year 30 years or doing uh, the wrong thing um, over and over again. But I guess wrong thing is subjective or in the case of your son's golf score, that's measurable, right? Yeah, I mean, if, if you're doing bad habits, you're ingraining bad habits, right? So yeah. part of it is we have to learn how to make new habits and part of it is we have to figure out what the right habits are. Yeah. So another question here, and this this will bring it back into the workplace. Um, how can Kaizen principles be applied to sales? You know, what types of processes do you have that can be improved? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. I mean, I I try to focus on this as much as I can because again, I'd never really been been exposed to this until I came to Kinexus. But I'll tell you what I've learned is sales has so many processes. I mean, one, we're we're trying to attract people who care about what we care about. And then we have to figure out whether or not they are a good fit for what we do. We have to give them a demo of our product. We have to then kind of go through their normal course of objections and procurement and figure out a way if we can help them or we can. And those processes are defined and measurable, I think, just like any other process. And, and so we, you know, internally, we, we try to focus on customer value. Um, we try to have respect for people, both for our customers and for employees. Mm -hmm. and. And we try to track data. I mean, we look at things like how many people visit the website and how many ask for a demo and how many demos turn into a real opportunity and, and how long does that take? And can we use that data to try to provide a better experience for people? Yeah. Um, what, what we've done, so we try, we sometimes fall out of the habit, but um, we try to meet regularly and talk about this sort of stuff. So we were in a in a habit of daily, weekly, monthly, quarterly, yearly meetings with very specific agendas where daily was just kind of talking about obstacles and figuring out what improvements we might have and 
weekly was more team business and it just got more strategic as it got further out. Uh, I found that to be really helpful and helped us to focus on Kaizen because we were doing it every day. Yeah. It helped us to build that habit. Yeah, and I mean, when you talk about sales, and like you said, there there are processes, but I imagine it might be tempting. Uh, you know, I hear in healthcare, people will say, uh, every patient is unique. And I, I think there's a balance. You want to treat every patient as a unique individual. Um, there are differences among us. Where, you know, and At the same time, I think sometimes I hear people say every patient is unique as an excuse to not have any standardization or any processes. And when I think either extreme could be bad, we don't want overly rigid cookbook medicine. We, we shouldn't be having to make it up every time we go. So if, if a salesperson were to say something, like, oh, come on, Jeff, I mean, every deal is unique. I mean, right. how, where do you find the balance between process and customization, standardization and customization? Yeah, I mean, I, I love this concept. Um, I, I originally heard about it in a talk someone gave, and they, they used the example of like a Navy SEAL team, right? And so the Navy SEAL team drills hundreds and hundreds of times on how to execute a mission, and, and they have a plan for how they want it to work. But as soon as they got put down into enemy territory, all the rules are gone, right? Anything could happen and who knows. But that planning and that training allowed them to handle the uniqueness more effectively. So if everything goes according to plan, then great. Your training, your plan, whatever was great. And, and if it doesn't, well, then you're even better at handling those, those unique situations because you've got a plan and you've got that kind of training in place. So yeah. I've always just kind of thought, I think sports is the same way. Basketball teams run plays, but sometimes the defense doesn't give you what you want and you got to figure out a way to get the ball in the hoop. Yeah. Yeah. And I think sometimes people don't appreciate how structure allows for creativity. Yeah. Um, you look in um, sports is a great example. Uh, trauma, emergency room, trauma situations where I've seen um, one organization is coming back to mind where they really were standardizing the roles and responsibilities in a trauma situation. Um, and that didn't mean, or I think, you know, what, what their idea was that that structure and reducing some of the uncertainty of knowing who's in what role and where they're going to be standing around the patient on the table, um, then um, eliminated um, some element of chaos because uh, it seems like a trauma case, this would be a question for Greg, he's not with us today, but you know that, that there's a certain element of chaos and confusion and everything you can do to minimize your self-imposed chaos is only gonna help you focus on the patient or the deal or the yep. game being played, right? Well, look, we, we do it with my son, you know, he, when he goes out to play golf, he's scared. You know, it's intimidating to go play golf in front of people who you know are better than you and so we work on a pre-shot routine, which is just his steps that he's going to take before each shot. And uh, it, it, helps, it helps to calm him down, right? It helps for him to be able to focus on the things that he needs to work on. I think it's applicable in so many different aspects of life. Yeah. All right, so we got another question here, and I think this, this ties in to something you said earlier about, you know, as Kinexus has grown, new people coming on the team, you as a leader within the company, how do you teach new Kinexus employees about Kaizen? And, and that probably I'll add, I mean, that, 
that ties in the culture. What kind of culture are you trying to help build uh, with us here at Kinexus? Yeah, that um, that's great. It, I mean, it's another one of the things that I think about a lot. Um, so before, let, let's just say this, before we teach new employees about Kaizen, we first have to believe in Kaizen, right? So as an organization, both at a leadership and at a frontline level, we have to believe in the long-term benefits that we're going to get by having a Kaizen mindset. Once we have that, then I think a lot of it can just happen by osmosis, right? Because people come into the organization and they can read the unwritten rules of what's happening and they can just, just learn. But in addition to that, I mean, I do think that there are some things that, that you can do and that we do. One of the books we didn't mention earlier was really kind of the impetus of founding Kinexus, and that's Kaizen by Mazaki Amai. Right. And so you ask that every new employee read that just so they understand what a Kaizen mindset means. Uh, we also ask that they read the Kinexus blog. If you're, you know, our Kinexus blog is very focused on that, and uh -huh. I think is um, a good learning opportunity. And then we just have a habit here where we share emails of articles that we read, podcasts that we listen to that help kind of develop that mindset. And it's really taken hold throughout the organization. We talk about it in our weekly meeting. It's something that, that everyone kind of brings up and it's just a part of the conversation. And I think it's just a part of our culture now. Yeah. So, but uh, yeah, some of it's purposeful and some of it is just people follow along with what you really believe in. Yeah. And, and there's a lot of resources out there. Um, you know, Greg and I did some short explanatory videos about Kaizen that uh, we point people to. Um, we, we've um, sometimes I've pointed people to our friends over at Gemba Academy, where we have access to their material. Gemba Academy's, Academy has been a really good uh, partner um, of ours over the last couple of years. So you know, there are a lot of resources out there, um, you know, in particular about um, continuous improvement as a really important part of Lean. You know, sometimes uh, one thing that comes to mind, I end up pointing people to the Toyota website. Yeah. Go, you know, do a Google search for Toyota production system. And I think the Wikipedia entry comes up number one. Number two is the Toyota corporate website from Japan. Now it's in English. But I think sometimes it's it's helpful. Um, you know, I try to point people back to the source, if you will, um, I, where I see people share stuff on LinkedIn. This is getting off track. I'm sorry, but you know, I see people share things that say uh, Lean is for speed, Six Sigma is for quality. I'm like, you go to the Toyota production system website where they say sometimes called Lean manufacturing. So they have that quibble of well, is it TPS or is it Lean? Well, Toyota, I think says lean really should be like TPS. You know, the two pillars of TPS are flow and quality. You know, I think it's, it's, it's this misnomer. So I think sometimes people can go and educate themselves as a way of um, cleansing the palate, if you will. There's, unfortunately, there's some stuff out there um, that gets repeated a lot that might not be accurate. So that's the one caution for others who are learning about lean, maybe. You know, I, I jokingly call them the purple shirt videos, but I do send a lot of people that ask to the videos that you and Greg made previously. I, I don't know if there's an easy way to share that link um, after this, but I think it's a simple way to teach people about the behaviors that you want them to, yeah. to um, display. And I think it's a great learning opportunity. So I think, you know, people can go to um, 
our YouTube channel. You might already be watching this on YouTube. There should be a playlist for um, the instructional videos. Um, you can also go under the kinexus.com website under the learn section of the menu. There's a link to education videos that actually pulls up. You're right. They are, they're kind of, they're purple shirt. video. <laughs> I think in one of the videos I was wearing an orange shirt, which I don't really care for, but back to the questions. I think we can get maybe these two more questions in and maybe I'll just ask them together because there's there's a yin and a yang to this. What One, what did the most successful Kinexus customers do differently than others? And two, what mistakes do you see uh, potential customers making when it comes to Kaizen? So maybe, maybe well, let's, let's keep them separate. So one is really about Kinex's customers, what what do the most successful customers do well? So I think number one is they involve their leadership. So the, the most, I mean, we have a number of customers and just like anyone, some are wildly successful and some are trying to get there. The, the ones who are wildly successful, their leadership is engaged in, in most cases through the absolute top of the organization. Right. Right. They care about making this successful. They can eliminate roadblocks. They're part of the conversation. So I think that's a real key. Um, I, I would also say that that they engage us regularly, our most successful customers. You no, know, so? we don't have to we don't have to call them. We don't have to like try to they, they schedule with us. Maybe it's once a month, maybe it's once every two weeks, but there's a constant open dialogue around what's working and what improvements can we make and how can we use the platform better? And, and honestly, I think those two are, are really key. Everything else to me is details and features. Those two behaviors really drive success. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I see, I mean, I just build upon um, this idea of, you know, the senior leadership they're, they're engaged. And at some point you may try to pull senior leaders in, but the one, the difference, there, there's a difference between uh, sponsorship and involvement. I think when I, you know, I've seen in, in so many organizations, when leaders are participating in continuous improvement, where they've allowed it to, to get into their own brain and they're improving the things related to their work as executives and that they can lead by example and demonstrate to their vice presidents who can demonstrate to the directors, who can demonstrate to the managers of not just doing Kaizen, but then asking people for improvements. And I think those behaviors are so powerful when it rolls downhill in a positive way, as opposed to an executive saying, well, everyone's got to do X number of improvements this year. That, yeah, that you, doesn't you know, work. Go ahead. There's a, um, a saying that I remember back when I, I was in graduate school, and, and it was that organizations take on the behavior of their highest leader. Mm -hmm. uh, over time, organizations start to behave like their highest leaders behave. And if those leaders are, are into continuous improvement and they care about it, undoubtedly the rest of the organization is going to catch on yeah. sooner or later. Any other kind of characteristics of successful, most successful customers? Yeah, you know, I would... I would say that there's an ability not to just focus on big, huge projects with successful yeah. customers. They kind of believe in the power of incrementalism mm -hmm. and 
sometimes they are, you know, they're celebrating a small improvement just for the sake of that's going to lead to a second and a third and a fourth. And I, I think that's a, a real difference maker if you're talking about culture. Yeah. Uh, it just feels like people all over the place, they kind of know how to do big projects. But when you're really, you know, if you've got a thousand employees, man, can you get a thousand people doing improvement? There's a real power in that. And I, I feel like the, our successful customers focus on that. Yeah. So now back to the, the kind of flip side question, mistakes uh, people make. I mean, I, I think, let me add a few thoughts of, um, I think viewing improvement only as projects um, is, is yep. unfortunate. Viewing Kaizen only as Kaizen events. And I, I like the model that, that looks at, um, you draw a, a triangle or a pyramid and say, you know, 80% of the improvement is at the base of the pyramid. The small incremental improvements driven primarily by frontline staff. And then there is a time and a place for events, Absolutely. projects, redesign, uh, innovation. Uh, but I think so many organizations really only focus on that top part of the triangle. What, what do you see or hear about out there? Yeah, I mean, I see that a lot. Um, I really like Dr. Alan Robinson's thoughts on the 80-20 rule, the idea-driven organization. I'll tell you one, a couple no, of other things great book, but. kind of in the struggle side, um, a lot of times when people will try to do improvement, they'll try to take two people from this team and three people from that team and four people from that team and bring them together to do improvement. And and I think they're missing out on the the synergy of having an entire team doing improvement, right? Yeah. And, and I think that, you know, as you're starting to decide uh, how do we do a PDSA around improvement, you know, I, I would advise when you start out, you know, grab a, grab a group and do the whole group, right? Grab a smaller group if you need to and do the whole group rather than trying to spread it thin across a larger part of your organization. It just, it can take hold in the culture more yeah. within that group. And then the, the other thing I see all the time is this focus on kind of, I'm going to just call it advanced training, right? We're going to make everyone a lean or a lean Six Sigma uh, purple belt, whatever the, the most extreme belt is. And honestly, I, I think that the way I look at it is those highly trained people are fantastic support mechanisms, but it's not realistic to do that for everyone within the organization. And I'd like to see more people focus on just, just get people to identify waste and teach them some really basic problem-solving capabilities. And then if something gets harder, well, then, then you bring in the expert. Right. You know, you can teach people to identify waste and solve their own problems. And the momentum can really jump in and, and kickstart from there. I see that what I think is a mistake. I see that quite often. Yeah. Um. Let's see. So it was a good wrap up here. I mean, there were a couple of questions about the platform. So maybe I'll just I'll open up to you, Jeff. Is How is Kinexus really different from a spreadsheet or SharePoint? And can I just download Kinexus and start using it? Yeah, great. Well, great question. I get those all the time. Um, so I'll answer the second one first. The, the answer is no. Uh, we did not design Kinexus to just be downloaded. And I'll tell you, the reasoning behind that is, is a respect thing. We just think that people will get a better experience by engaging with our customer experience team. We've really devoted time and effort and 
resources to building a team that can make that onboarding experience uh, better and more successful and, and less wasteful for customers. Well, um, I just want to jump in. And for one, it's not downloaded. It's a web-based system. So, well, fair enough. Yeah. You're right. Yeah, technically, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just, I, no, we don't do the download and, and it's really purposeful. And it's, I think, one of the better decisions that we made not to try to just be some kind of uh, automated platform, if you will. And then you ask kind of how, how are we different from a spreadsheet and like a SharePoint site? Honestly, I mean, I can talk about features and things like that. There's a number of those, but I think you can just find those on, on the website. What, what I think the difference is, is that in the long run, we care about this problem more. And so we're focused on it. I mean, we, we get feedback from all customers. We roll out new versions of Kinexus once a month. We're constantly adding new features. We have a customer experience team to help make sure that it's going well. Those are not things that you get with spreadsheets and SharePoint sites. And so to me, it's a real question of how important is continuous improvement in your organization? If it's important enough, then you should have a partner working with you on it. And if not, well, then you make those decisions. But to me, those are the difference makers automated notifications and impact numbers and all that. Those are just features that, that get built or not built. Yeah. And you know, I'll just share as, as we'll wrap up here soon. Uh, an example of corporate Kaizen, startup Kaizen before you were in the picture, Jeff. Um, you know, when I was working a lot with Greg on, on the sales side and you know, early in a startup's life cycle, you're just trying to get anyone to use the system to help validate product market fit, to get feedback, um, and you know, we for a while we were offering a free trial, and that free trial uh, was a little was effort on our part, effort on some of the customers, and it never really led to anything, because I think sometimes I think with free or you know without somebody doing work, you probably guide people through this process. If somebody watching says I want to bring Kinexus into my organization, that might not be an easy. They might not be the one who can say, yes, they need to influence their executives and or someone can say, oh yeah, we'll do a free trial. They might not have the necessary support or buy-in to really make it successful, right? Yep. Well, and as much as like, you know, personally, selfishly, whatever, I don't want to support that at Kinexus. To me, that's, that's a respect and a customer value thing because if they do it wrong and they don't engage their leadership the right way and they, they don't put the necessary time and resources to it, and it fails, well, then it looks bad for them too, you know, and it's wasted time for them and their organization. And so I think when we do it the right way, it's a win-win. And that's really what we're hoping to accomplish. Yeah. So our time is up. I um, want to mention a few other things. Um, first off, uh, Jeff, thank you for being a, a more than capable fill-in uh, for, for Greg. Um, we've got some upcoming events um, for Kinexus customers. Our uh, Kinexus Q Q3 updates webinar is going to be held on October 9th. You can go and register for that today. Uh, Matt Banna and Ryan Rippey from our Austin office, they want me to mention uh, their Banna Rippey show, as they call it, the Banna Rippey show. That is a, a fun webinar that is, again, geared for uh, Kinexus customers. That's going to be held on October 25th. That, and then I'm going to be doing a webinar presentation on Halloween on October 31st. 
Um, it's going to be on, on some of the themes of my book, Measures of Success, but the title we're playing with is something about, you know, why performance measurement doesn't have to be scary. And um, we'll try to have some fun with that on Halloween. I can't promise it'll be in a costume because we don't normally turn the video on for the webinars. Um, and then in November, one of our, I, I just chatted earlier with one of our customers, Mike McGowan uh, from a um, hospital okay. system in Ohio. He's going to do a webinar. We love when our customers share their stories and lessons learned in their journey. Um, so we hope you'll sign up for those at kinexus.com slash webinars. Uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel. We've got all of the past Ask Us Anythings archived. I think there was one where there was some weird tech glitch and it's not in there, but we've got a lot of great content here in the YouTube channel. We ask you to check that out and subscribe. Um, Jeff, I'll, I'll give you the last word if you've got a a thought or, or other thanks you want to give? No, I just, I want to say thank you. I'm grateful that I get the opportunity to do this. I love these questions that people send in. I love that people are, they like our content. They like what we believe in. So uh, keep them coming. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks everyone for tuning in. As Bye guys. We'll see you, Kai, next time. Bye next time. <laughs> Take care.